I am an entrepreneur, an investor, an enabler. I am a daughter, a friend, a sister. I'm the product of everyone who's believed in me and supported me, my friends, my mentors, my partners in life and in business. I'm attracted to those who are generous, curious, passionate, and have a sense of humor. I run away from people who are myopic, egotistical, and petty. I'm inspired by the beauty of this planet and the strength of the human spirit. I surround myself with love, with learning, with the sound of the ocean, and with adventure. I'm obsessed about building things, businesses, ideas, innovations. I am passionate about enabling healthcare, technology, and livelihood to those who are most in need. And I'm proud of my heritage, but I'm most proud of this agency that I have built over the past 10 years with my partner, Krish that has grown from zero to 150, that has some of the best people solving some of the biggest problems for brands. And I am Delaria Min, and I'm the president and the co-founder of Phenomenon. Celebrating the work, lives, and achievements of women in Western North America, The Drum presents Exceptional Women Out West, hosted by The Drum North America Editor-at-Large, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. In 2016, and let's call it 2016, 2017, since we're getting super close to the new year here, what should we be talking about and why? I think for me, there's a couple of themes. Theme one is we're experiencing this exponential innovation in this age that we're living in. So if you think about the first drug invented, uh, penicillin, that came out 50 years ago, and now the rate of innovation is exponential. And anything that is scarce in the world right now is going to be abundant through the technological advances that we've made. So that presents both the greatest opportunity, but also a threat to many. And this is something that we should embrace, but also be cautious about. And that's something that I think about. So with this digital shared, let's take the example of the shared economy and the digital economy and this hyper connectedness that we have, where everything is on demand, and we can connect with anyone in the planet that also has security risks. And we're going to find ourselves with some very troubling questions in terms of what are the measures that we can take to protect our children and protect ourselves while enabling ourselves to do business at this rapid rate. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think about is how are we going to use all this innovation to benefit those who are most in need? And America is driving this innovation. I was talking to my friends at XPRIZE the other day, and the latest prize is about developing a safety monitor for women in India or women all over the world Mm -hmm. where it's either an embedded device in one's body, or it's a very concealed uh, device that doesn't need Wi-Fi, and it can message a signal to a non-governmental organization if a woman's ever in need. If this technology becomes viable, imagine what we could do with healthcare and not just safety. But I think 
the onus is on us in terms of drivers of business and innovators of technology as to how we're going to use that. And I think the third thing that I think about is how is our workplace changing in 2017 and how is that going to look like in 2020? There's all of this diversity talk that we were just talking about, but it's also, you know, what's going to make people happy. If you think about the only ball game there is right now is talent. Uh, everybody, whether it's agency, whether it's clients, whether it's technology, whether it's Apple, whether it's a startup, are thinking about how do I get the best people and then how do I keep them? And it, you know, it goes beyond stocks and comp. And there's something about how are you enabling people to live the best lives? And it sounds a little lofty and a little too emotional, but I think you really have to figure out what drives people. Right. And as a leader, what drives you is the same thing that drives your people and you have to create an environment that's conducive to people feeling like they're living their best lives we need a little more lofty in the world that's okay (laughs) don't 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 apologize for lofty never do that why do we overcomplicate our lives we're living in a world where we're inundated with social media with real-time responses with feeling like we have to be connected and be in all places at all times and I think that's overcomplicating our lives. And I don't think we need to. I think we can say, take a moment and say, I don't need to post everything about my life. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, There's my brunch in Los Feliz. Yes. Yeah, on Instagram. Um, right. And we don't have to be answering to clients at 11 p.m. unless it's a bona fide emergency. And we don't always have to be connected. I think it's good to be quiet, good to take some time off and and not log in into all your social channels every day. I think that's what's complicating lives and it's taking away from true meaningful thought. And if you think about, you know, the way that innovation came about prior to the last 20 years, it was long format. It was right. quiet. It was introspective. It was observation. It wasn't about being connected and constantly communicating that. That's an excellent point. So patience is actually truly a virtue. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how to do do you think we even know how to do that anymore patience no and i think it's going to be a real problem for our children true in their love lives in their careers and and in the way that they're going to expect results and i think we're already seeing that with younger people and the way they're very apt to seek constant feedback and how you know how they're doing and seeking a purpose and you know jumping jobs and we see these and I hate to compartmentalize that as a millennial problem I think it's the way that we're training and teaching kids to behave a certain way right that's a great point what's the most important decision that people can make and and we'll take it one step further that women can make in their careers and why is that I think a lot of women give up sooner than they should because they think that they want a certain life. My recommendation would be don't take your foot off the pedal until the very last minute. Don't quit your job unless you are completely convinced that you have a child who you need to stay home with. Don't plan that five years in advance and not not raise your hand for the promotion. Don't not take up the opportunity to work somewhere because you think that you're not going to be able to find the right partner. I mean, these are issues that women deal with all the time. They don't want to go to China and take that fantastic job at the new agency because they think, well, I'm 32 and I need to get married. Things are going to work out in your life. I think you have to keep pursuing that opportunity. Right. And you'll figure out the answers. And they're not all going to be right in front of you. The answers are usually, unless it's math, the answers are usually never right in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) 
What about just people in general? You've talked specifically about women, but what about, you know, because you're very supportive of families. Mm -hmm. What about men as well? I think for us to truly have a diverse workforce, I think men, we have to support families, not just the women who work for us or work with us, but also the men who work for us and with us. And if families thrive, then everybody thrives. And my two cents for a man would be because I know that I get a lot of support at home from my partner. And if he didn't support me every day when I went home, I don't think I could come back and do this. So for every woman, it takes a man. And for every man, it takes a woman. It, it is truly symbiotic. It is truly a unit. And you need that partner, whether a man or a woman, to support you. And you need people around you at work, bosses, subordinates. It takes, I think it really, it's so trite to say that, but it takes a village mm -hmm. to bring about a change in how we work and who are we going to work with. Let's go to the must list. What is a must-do? A must-do is to be a lifelong student, to constantly keep learning. I came here at 17 from India. I didn't know anything. And America was my oyster, and I was wide-eyed, and I wanted to absorb everything. And in 20 years, um, I have learned the fabric of this country. And I think at every point in your life, in your career, you have a different role that you play. You start as an individual contributor, then you become a manager, then you become become an integrator. And that's the position that I have now. And I have to learn a different set of rules and I have to have a different perspective on how to lead a company of 150 people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that my learning has stopped. In fact, it's it's constant. I learn from my junior most employees. I learn from you know vets. I learn from every different person that I meet. What's something that you've learned of late that you kind of went, oh, that's, that's really cool. You know, I was just in Tel Aviv and I went to Jerusalem and the Dead Sea and I've never been to the Middle East. And I just learned to have a mad respect for Israel and the history of it. And I really went and learned 3000 years of history and this feud that we have between the oldest religions in the world. And I have a very realistic perspective on that now. And I'm humbled by all the history that has has come before me. And I don't think that it's going to sol get solved in my lifetime, but I'm at peace with that now. But I mean, that comes with traveling and really immersing yourself in a different culture. And that's a must experience that you said traveling the world. Yeah, yeah. I have never been on a trip that hasn't changed me. I think it's a journey that you take within. Okay, really? Yeah. Even to like Bakersfield? Yes. Well, I have been on this. I have been on this journey to understand what America is about. So, like, and, and I, I don't mean. I, see, I don't mean. I don't mean to. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to be mean to Bakersfield, but I'm just saying proximity. It's close. Proximity is close, but I think in Bakersfield you find like that people even one hour or two hours outside of Los Angeles, the laid back mentality, that bubble, that ecosystem of oil and plastic surgery, like that was new and right. and farm fields. Right. And and I think you learn about a town. I mean, yeah. I learn about the microcosm. That that is Calabasas, right. you know, and I think it's the mindset that you have that makes you learn things. Talk a little bit about just some of your experiences in the United States, because you came here from India and you've, you've legit been all over the country. Yes. What was the stop in the United States that was just mind blowing for you? Good or bad? 
Yeah, I mean, there's parts of America that are scary sure. and intimidating, and there's parts of America that are so glorious and beautiful that you understand that this is actually one of the most magical countries in the world. And I've been everywhere from Tallahassee to Detroit to yeah. Bakersfield. Right. I've, I've just learned a lot, and I've understood that even though this is a very progressive country, it's rooted in this deep history of the origins of it, and it's hard for us to even break away from it now. What's a must-read? Read everything. I read everything. <laughs> I know this is an easy one, but... I'm not going to say that's a cop-out answer, but you legit... I, I'm a must-read. Sit, I'm sitting in your office, and, the, and there's all kinds of stuff around. So, you are voracious. Yes. So I, I do read a lot, but... As a business owner, one of the books that changed my life was Good to Great by Jim Collins. And I, I read that book the third year of my business. I was 28. And <laughs> I keep forgetting. Oh, my gosh. I had no clue what I was doing. I was managing people who were more senior than me, trying to recruit people from gray New York. And here I was, a 28-year-old, and I just didn't have the first clue. And and I didn't have the confidence in, in my thought and my decisions. And that book really changed me. Um, so I recommend that. What's a must learn? Learn to listen. Mm -hmm. It's Leadership is not about having the, all the answers. It's about asking the right questions. And I think the other thing is learn to have critical conversations. Because business is a series of critical conversations. And I can look back and say, the only regrets I have is when I didn't manage a conversation, right? Because every conversation is an opportunity to make things better and create a win-win. And the only way that you burn a bridge and don't come away with a good outcome is when you don't manage the conversation, right? That's good. I, I say this about life. Life really, if you break it down, is a series of moments. It's what you do with those moments that dictate the direction that you go. Same with conversations, I would assume. What's a tough conversation that, that you've had that you walked away from thinking, mm, yeah, you don't have to be specific, but a conversation that you walked away from going, ah, I probably could have handled that better. Or conversely, when you're like, oh, I'm glad I handled it that way. So recently I had to let someone go and that's a very hard thing, thing very tough thing to yeah. do and i was very fond of that employee and i know that in the future they would have to spend a bunch of time finding the right opportunity and she had a conversation with me and i could have just said no but i did say yes i doubled the severance and then she actually gave me a signed copy of first edition of peter drucker's book on management and she said it was her favorite and she wanted me to have it. And that was a, such a huge teaching moment for me because it's not about the first impression, it's in fact about the last impression. What's a question that you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would that answer be? If you didn't have Phenomenon, what would you have done? Oh, that is a good one. That is a real good one. So what's the answer? It's a tough one because I don't get to think about it too much. But I think having built and grown this company, I've just realized something about myself, which is I love building things, ideas, companies, innovations. And if I didn't have to work at Fino anymore, I would spend my time helping entrepreneurs, building their businesses, advising them, uh, helping them raise capital and really driving innovation that could benefit humankind. And I think it really takes the grit and the resilience and the imagination of entrepreneurs to, to bring the best of technology to us 
And that's what I would spend my time doing. Would you do that just overall? Because you and I discussed this podcast that you are in love with, the, the immigrant entrepreneur. Would you try to focus on the immigrant community? Potentially. I think that the best output happens in mixed groups. I'm totally, so yeah. I would pick the guys who want it the most. And I think that's what it takes. You got to, it's not the smartest. It's not the guys who have the most money. It's the guys who want it the most and are crazy enough to think that they could do it are the ones that do it. And I actually work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I advise them. And um, that's what I want to spend my life doing. Here's where I compliment you. There are a few things about you that are beyond just impressive. Number one, you started this company at what, 25? Mm -hmm. Age 25? Mm -hmm. Yes. In Los Angeles. Yes. So not necessarily, you know, you're not starting, I don't want to go back to Bakersfield. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to, it's, it's Bakersfield if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you didn't start it in a small town. You didn't start it in a smaller city. You did this in Los Angeles. So that's number one. Number two, I love the fact that you are proud of your heritage and where you came from, but it doesn't necessarily define you, if, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Three, you are fiercely independent as a person, therefore that carries over into fierce independence at the agency, which I greatly appreciate. And then something that you shared with me most recently is your point of view on the importance of family and the importance of men and women at Phenomenon having an opportunity to build their own families and building them in a way that they can thrive. So starting up new parental leave for fathers, 12 weeks, was it? Yes. All right, I'm taking that. Well, I, my kids are a little old for that. <laughs> but you know, th those are four things that just in and of themselves are impressive. But the fact that you're able to bring all of this together, and it's interesting, the word family always keeps coming back. So people that I've talked to about you, we're not talking behind your back. I'm just trying to get a little more insight into you. Uh, the family thing is a big deal, and it keeps coming back. And that is a difficult thing to balance when you're trying to run a business like yours, especially one as high profile as yours as well. But that idea of family feels like it grounds you and it grounds this, this place. So that's where I compliment you. I mean, is that accurate? Yes, it's very accurate. And I can tell you where that comes from. It comes from me growing up in a joint family. Mm -hmm. I grew up with seven of my father's brothers and all their kids and their wives. And until I was 10, I grew up in a household of 50. Gee, wow. So... And that has made me who I am because I learned so much about business from living in a joint family. I learned what the hierarchy was. I learned who to go to for favors. I learned the system. I learned who to be nice to. I learned how to get work done. I learned how to navigate through the entire politics of my family. And I learned how to compromise and be accepting of different personalities. And that has taught me more than I could have if I just lived with my parents. So when I started the business, I wanted to be a safe haven, a home where people can feel supported and loved and they can feel happy. You know, our clients demand so much of us and this work that we do is not easy. Otherwise, everyone could do it. You know, brand building an amazing brand is 
one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Telling an amazing story is one of the, the hardest things to do. And our people do it well and they need to feel appreciated and that they could be authentic and real and they could have a fit one day and still be accepted back. I mean, that's the kind of culture that we have. And I give a lot of freedom to my people. I don't think that people, smart people, talented people, driven people do well with rules. Uh, so I have very few rules at Phenomenon. Every guest on the show gets an opportunity to talk about whatever they'd like for a couple minutes. Without further ado, the floor is yours. We're in an interesting time in the in the company. So when Chris and I started the company, Chris is my partner, CEO, and ours is an interesting partnership too. We're yin yang, we're complements, and I think that's what good partnership is: not to find the same in people, but find the different, and then learn how to work with it. And we started in a 10 by 10 office and across the desk from each other. And we almost killed each other. Um, And now we're at 150 people. And I'm really proud of this agency that I've created. And I I speak from a very authentic place because it is my family. It is the 10 years of my life's work that has been the driving force of my life. And I'm so proud of the people that we've been able to bring. And I'm very grateful for that. We have 51% women in this agency at all levels, starting with me in creative, in planning, in ops. And um, I think that's what makes a good company. Um, I'm very proud of the clients that we have and the work that we do. And people ask me, Oftentimes, like, what was the genesis of phenomenon? What's the vision for it? And the genesis was we found a white space between corporate strategy and marketing communication. And Chris and I said, well, there's all these management consultancies, and then there's the creative agencies, and then there's the design firms, and then there's the planning firms. And why couldn't we work more upstream with the with the stakeholders and the businesses themselves and really think not in, you know, in communication and marketing terms, but really what what are the drivers that are going to change your business and, and, and really think about solving a business problem through bringing about innovation and product and service. And that's been our true mission for the past 10 years. And I think that that's why we've succeeded without a lot of press uh, because we've really just striven to solve the business problem. And, I, and I, I say that about us because I think that that's where the industry will go um, in terms of, and we, we're already seeing that with Deloitte and BCG trying out new models, buying up agencies. It's going to be a more consultative business, a business-oriented approach with a creative solve. Much like the muscles, we like to end with a little more advice for people listening. What would be your last word to wrap up the show? I have a 6P model that I follow. I made it up. I don't know how good it is, but it's worked for me. So I'll tell you about it. Go for it. Okay. The first is purpose. Find the purpose of your life. What's your legacy? What is it that's going to make you happy? What is it that you will regret if you don't pursue? And that's the purpose. And then once you have that, picturize it. I'm a visual person. I just want to paint that picture. I can imagine myself, you know, 20 years ago, I imagined myself behind a white desk running a company. And here I am. And it's a very powerful tool. Uh, The third is plan for it. 
figure out who's going to be on your your team, figure out the logistics of building that. The fourth is persist at it. Keep at it. Don't give up no matter what. Don't chase old horses, but don't give up too soon. The, the fifth one is principles. So along the way, you're going to find a lot of challenges, but you have to act with your values and your integrity. Otherwise, you're not going to enjoy it. And, and then the last one is play, like have fun with it. And, and it's about the people tell you this all the time. And I believe in it. If I had spent the last 20 years not enjoying my life because I was struggling to build a business, it wouldn't have been worth it. Always a pleasure coming to Los Angeles and Bakersfield. <laughs> and always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Best wishes for continued success. Thanks, Doug. Always a pleasure talking with you.